Top stories of the week. The world continues to be inspired by Ukraine. It's not really helping Ukraine, but boy is it inspired. Also, Joe Biden heckled at his State of the Union. And a love story for the ages. This is News Weekly, and Clive Palmer just put Hitler's car on carsales.com.au. Hello, I'm Sammy Shah, and this is News Weekly, where we punch the news in the headlines weekly. World's Culture War News now. Putin's assault on Ukraine continues, with war correspondents from around the world on the streets and in shelters across the country, keeping us updated with journalistic non-bias that borders on the board. In broad daylight, danger just outside the window. Freedom Square, Kharkiv. Russia's so-called liberation. A television tower in Kyiv was hit by a missile strike. There's a war on. People are dying. World War III is on the offing. Even when there's bombs dropping behind them, journalists are able to keep their emotionless demeanour under check. Like when CBS reporter Charles de Agata saw a giant flash of light in the sky. What the hell was that? I don't know. It's almost like lightning. Because it's a big flash. You know you're in a war zone, right? Like, just assume everything is an explosion. It's okay. We aren't going to ask you to cite your sources. God knows no one's asking Russia today to cite theirs when they put to air totally bullshit claims by the Russian government. Russian military strikes TV tower in Kiev. In order to end information attacks against Russia, technological facilities of the Ukrainian Security Service and the 72nd Main Center for Psychological Operations were hit by high-precision weapons in Kiev. The broadcasting of a television tower has been disabled. The strike did not destroy residential buildings. Russia today there, quoting a Russian general, isn't wrong that no residential buildings were destroyed, but that doesn't mean the tower just evaporated into thin air. A television tower in Kyiv was hit by a missile strike. Minutes later, a second missile was fired by Russian forces. Five people walking past the tower were killed and many more injured. The blast also hit the Holocaust Memorial of Babinia, one of the biggest single massacres of Jews by Nazi Germany. It's a lot harder to claim you're here to fight Nazis when you're also destroying Holocaust memorials. I know journalists are trained to speak like emotionless, unbiased narrators, and that's an important thing to maintain. I get it. But during a war, when one side is so clearly an aggressor, it's okay to let go a little. Just take the lead from Ukrainian President Zelensky's translator for the European Union. We are fighting just for our land and for our freedom. If only there was some way for the journalists to look past the dead and dying that cover the ground of every war and instead make some weirdly passive-aggressive statements about Iraq and Afghanistan. But this isn't a place, with all due respect, um, you know, like Iraq or Afghanistan that has seen conflict raging for decades. You know, this is a relatively civilized, uh, relatively European, I have to choose those words carefully too, Now the unthinkable has happened to them. And this is not a developing third world nation. This is Europe. That's right. This is Europe. 
We haven't had any wars in Europe at all. Not since, you know, World War One, World War Two, the Cold War, the Bosnian War, oh, and the breakup of Yugoslavia, oh, and the 2008 Russian War with Georgia. You know, Europe should try being more peaceful like some of those developing third world nations. What's surprising everyone is Ukraine's incredible bravery against the invaders, which means no one has ever bothered reading anything about Ukrainian history. This bravery is personified in Vladimir Zelensky, Ukraine's best argument for making all comedians potential world leaders. There's one really good reason why even in peacetime, many wondered whether Volodymyr Zelensky had what it took to lead his country. His preparation for the job was pretending to lead his country. President Ukraine. In the popular Ukrainian TV show, Servant of the People, he played another unlikely president, a teacher suddenly elevated to the highest office after a private rant about corruption goes viral. That TV show role was so popular, his political party used the name of the show as its own. It's like if Dave Hughes ran for political office here as the leader of the Hughesy We Have a Problem party. Welcome back to Hughesy We Have a Problem, where you provide the problems and we provide the solutions. Do you have a solution for Ukraine's crisis, Hughesy? I didn't think so. Zelensky's videos from the streets of Kiev are being watched everywhere. Calm, determined, insistent the world must do more. And he's provided perhaps the most memorable line of the war so far, responding to a US offer to get him out of Kiev with, the fight is here, I need ammunition, not a ride. I'm not even surprised he's been on Dancing with the Stars. He's done comedy. Wartime president is way easier than learning the cha-cha-cha and landing a punchline. Comedians are used to dying on stage. Real death means nothing to us. And meanwhile, every other comedian in the world is watching Zelensky's popularity and asking, who books that gig? Zelensky, in interviews, isn't comfortable, though, with being labelled iconic. In an exclusive interview with CNN's Matthew Chance, Zelensky played down the personal risks and hardship he's enduring. I'm the president of Ukraine, and I'm not iconic. I think the Ukraine is iconic. Except that's what someone truly iconic says. He's just confirmed how iconic he is. Luckily, Australia has its own icons to explain why this is taking place. Icons like the former Minister for Shirt Fronting, Tony Abbott, talking with Peter Credlin on Sky News. How big a role has a weakened West and all those things you talk about, race politics, gender politics, all the obsessions we have played into this? We've spent so much of the last couple of decades telling ourselves that we are a fundamentally unjust and fundamentally illegitimate country and culture. And plainly, it's pretty hard to stand up for yourself if you don't really believe in yourself. And yet there's now at least a generation of Western school kids which have been fed this diet of self-doubt. That's right. Russia invaded Ukraine because kids in Australia are taught about indigenous history and trans issues. Abbott isn't the only one who thinks we need to be more like Putin's Russia. Here's Steve Bannon, the former advisor to Donald Trump. And the reason that Putin ain't woke, he is anti-woke. The Russians, people still know which bathroom to use. They know how many, how many genders are there in Russia? Two. Okay. That's all of a sudden, that's, that's, that's not, that's not, they don't have the flags. They don't have the pride flags outside on their, on their. 
There's a ton of those hot takes, by the way, that Putin is emboldened because the West is busy with woke politics. And it's true. Remember when Hitler invaded Poland because the Poles were so busy worrying about LGBTQI rights? Or Japan bombed Pearl Harbor because Hawaii was busy focusing on race relations? Or Genghis Khan was able to destroy Baghdad because the Muslim empires were caught up in debating critical Sharia theory? The thing is, the former prime minister who once stood in front of banners proclaiming Julia Gillard as quote, Bob Brown's bitch and quote, ditch the witch, is almost on the verge of figuring out the fallacy of his own arguments. Now, I'm the first to admit that countries such as ours are not perfect, but still, for all our faults and errors, uh, the freest, the fairest and the best places to live in uh, other countries of the West, especially the English-speaking ones. Those countries are the fairest and the best places to live in because we care about LGBTQI rights, because we care about racism, and because we fight for fairness. If we didn't, we'd be like Russia under Putin, which provides no anti-discrimination protections for LGBT people, nor does it prohibit hate crimes based on sexual orientation and gender identity, which are common and often result in death. You may not agree with one side or the other in the current cultural arguments taking place in many Western nations, but the ability to have those arguments is what makes them worth living in. It's their strength, not their weakness. Which side you decide you fall on, that says a lot about you, Tony. You say Ukraine, I say Iran news now. As the assault on Ukraine continued, some eyes briefly turned to the United States of America where President Joe Biden delivered a State of the Union speech that was all about Ukraine. Six days ago, Russia's Vladimir Putin sought to shake the very foundations of the free world, thinking he could make it bend to his menacing ways. Maybe Putin thought that because two weeks ago, Biden made it clear how little he'd do to protect Ukraine. Russia will be held accountable if it invades, and it depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion and then we end up having a fight about what to do and not do, etc. The problem is one man's minor incursion happens to often be another man's full-scale invasion. The speech also touched upon an issue deeply personal to Biden. US soldiers who suffer from cancers and other diseases caused by exposure to toxic chemicals. His own son contracted and died of brain cancer from a similar situation. And as he talked about it, he was heckled by two Republican congresswomen. A cancer that would put them in a flag draped coffin. I know. That's Congresswoman Lauren Borbert, whose husband was once jailed for showing his penis to two teenagers in a bowling alley, and Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, who the week before was filmed speaking at a white supremacist rally right after the audience chanted for Putin. It's now a familiar clip of video. Georgia Republican Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene welcomed by Nick Fuentes at his America First Political Action Conference in Orlando this past Friday, just after Fuentes rallied the crowd. Can we give a round of applause for Russia? Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. Green then told the crowd she has empathy for them. Because you know what it's like to be canceled 
And that's why I'm here to talk to you tonight. I don't believe anyone should be canceled. It was so shocking that even Mitt Romney from her own party condemned her. And Republican Senator Mitt and, uh, Romney on and, and CNN. Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar, I don't know them, but I've got morons on my team. And I have to think anybody that would sit down with white nationalists and speak at their conference was certainly missing a few IQ points. Luckily, Biden was unperturbed by the heckling, able to continue his stirring speech in which he forgot which people were supposed to be inspired by. Putin may circle Kiev with tanks, but he'll never gain the hearts and souls of the Iranian people. That's right, Putin. Your invasion of Ukraine isn't scaring the Iranians. Probably because Iran is 2,989 kilometers away from Ukraine. Forbidden love news now. And finally, staying in America just a little longer. It's the Romeo and Juliet story of the modern age. Except instead of Romeo being a Montague, he's Republican congressman from Texas, Van Taylor. And instead of Juliet, we have a woman who once ran off to join ISIS. Taylor emailed supporters today and admitted to an affair. The affair had been reported by the right-wing website Breitbart on Election Day. According to Breitbart, the woman had previously been married to an American jihadist who went to fight in Syria. That's right. The woman named Isis Bride apparently had an affair with the man named Republican Husband. Miss Joya is the widow of John Georgilis, an American-born man who became one of the most senior commanders of the Islamic State. He took his wife Tanya and three children to Syria in 2013. However, they fled the country without him and he was killed in 2017. For years, British tabloids followed news on the family, labelling Miss Joya Isis Bride. Miss Joya told the Dallas Morning News her and Van Taylor met working on a project she started which helps reprogram extremists. They then began about an eight-month affair. Look, I can't think of any evidence that you've been de-radicalized more convincing than banging a Texan politician. That is the exact opposite of what ISIS stands for. So, good on her. That's it for this week's edition of News Weekly. Remember, you can find tickets to my Melbourne International Comedy Festival and Sydney Comedy Festival show. It's titled Unappreciated. Tickets are available on thesamishow.com. Just click the Shows button. Other cities to be announced still. You can join me on patreon.com slash samishah. That's patreon.com slash S-A-M-I-S-H-A-H to support this podcast with your meager shekels, which go a long, long way to help me keep this going. As always, I appreciate all your love and all your feedback. Although you really should send it to iTunes where you can leave a rating and a review. It really helps the podcast rankings as well. I look forward to seeing you right back here next week on News Weekly, where we punch the news in the headlines weekly. <laughs>